Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast uh, today. The Mind of the Rioter. Now, we are besieged in many cities throughout the United States at this point in time in history by people who are generically referred to as rioters, protesters. And um, I'd just focus on that population for a little bit and ask the question, what is the mind of the rioter? How does the rioter think? What is the thought pattern? What's present? What's absent in the mind of the rioter? Now, I know of no particular source of research studies that have um, looked into the mind of the people who are rioting in Minneapolis and Chicago and Portland and Seattle and Beverly Hills and Albuquerque and, and so on at this point in time in history. We don't know. We don't have a study of that. But I have read in the area of the mind of the criminal, the criminal mind, who are the people who commit crime, hideous crimes, tragic crimes, violent crimes, Who are the people who murder? Who are the people who are the cause of the death of so many? What is the mindset of such individuals? That I have read on and that we have research on. Now, I don't know if that necessarily applies to this population that we're dealing with on the streets of our cities today, but it is suggestive of a group of people who have a particular mindset and then carry out their behavior patterns based on that mindset. And, um... It's been often said, and my father is actually one who's often told me, but it's been often said many times, many places, that you cannot reason with somebody who's unreasonable. So first of all, we're dealing with people who are unreasonable. That's the mindset of such individuals. They're unreasonable. They don't reason. They don't think in rational terms like you and I. They don't just reason things through and come up with a conclusion that's logical or reasonable or kind of a positive kind of behavior to carry out. So they're unreasonable, basically, And the government, whether it's the mayor or it's the uh, governor of the state or whether it's the president of the United States or it's Congress or it's the police or it's uh, the National Guard or whoever it might be, they cannot reason with such individuals, cannot sit down and have a reasonable conversation. You cannot sit down and have a reasonable talk and come to some kind of a conclusion and carry out a conclusion. That's not workable. That's not possible. He's often looked upon and from the point of view of that. Why don't these people sit down and talk? Why don't the city authorities and the uh, government authorities, governmental authorities, sit down and talk to these rioters and protesters and so on? Well, part of the reason is that they're unreasonable. And you cannot reason with somebody who's unreasonable. So that's not an option. So the option is to take action. The the option is to fight fire with fire. The option is to take a strong approach to a strong-willed, unreasonable person. Now, let me give you kind of a list of some of the things that we find in the mindset of such individuals. Now, it doesn't necessarily say that all these people fit this pattern, but this pattern is tends to prevail in this kind of a population of the criminal mind those that carry out acts of criminality in public, openly, almost flaunting it in our faces. First of all, there's the absence of what we call guilt or conscience, the absence of anxiety, the absence of fear, the absence of that feeling that we're going to get caught and get in trouble so we don't do something, we don't take a particular action. There's an absence of that. These are people who have, over the years, they've been raised in such a way that conscience is not present, is not a key factor that determines their behavior. They've not been taught by their parents, if you will, not been taught by their schools, not been taught by their friends to do what is the right thing to do, to do what is the um, activity that would not lead to trouble or would not lead to problems or would not lead to an arrest or not lead to difficulty. They've been, they have not been raised that way. They've been raised to do what they want, whether they get caught or not. 
And if they get caught, they'll get out of trouble. They'll just walk away from it. Somebody will back them up. Somebody will protect them. Somebody will speak for them. Somebody will pay the bill. Somebody will pay the bond. Somebody will pay the bail. Somebody will pay the fine. In other words, they have not lived a life where consequences lead to the development of conscience. That's number one. Here's number two. They're very susceptible. Such individuals are very susceptible to influence. Now, to be susceptible to influence, you can be hypnotized. It's that kind of susceptibility to influence. But this is what we call susceptibility to social influence. And when there are people who are firm and definite and tough and strong and authoritative, they will have a considerable degree of influence upon people who are susceptible to social influence. They're introverts. They'll be influenced by others. They're extroverts, people who will influence them. So there are a group of people who are easily influenced by other people. And so we refer to this as susceptibility to influence. I did my doctoral dissertation on this particular topic. I know about it. I know that people can be persuaded to act against what is reasonable against what is in the best interest of somebody, against what the facts of a particular situation, to act in a manner that defies reality and defies objectivity. So that's number two, susceptibility to influence. They're very susceptible people. And somebody has an idea, they go with it. In other words, they're followers in the general sense of the word. But here's the third point. They think in what we call over-inclusive terms. Over, over-inclusive. Over-inclusive. That means that they see things as extreme. It's either yes or no. It's either do it or don't do it. It's either all or none. That's over-inclusive thinking. They don't think. They have not been taught to think in gradations such as mild or moderate or for a short period of time and not forever. Uh, they don't think in these kind of uh, terms of moderation. They think in terms of over-inclusiveness, the extreme, the totality of an action, of a thought pattern. So they're over-inclusive in their thinking. In other words, they can't be reasoned with. When somebody sees things as black or white and there's no gray, they see things as right in their eyes and there's no wrong, you can't reason. You can't come to a a compromise. You can't come to some kind of a mid-ground. That's an impossible outcome or expectation. They're over-inclusive in their thinking. Here's the fourth one. They tend to be catastrophic in their thinking. They see things as the world's going to come to an end. Henny Penny's going to fall from the sky. Bad things are going to happen, and they have to take action. Trump's going to get elected, and the world will come to an end, so they have to stop it. That's catastrophic thinking. They see something that is likely to happen. They see it in the worst possible terms, and then they indicate that they are the ones to stop that particular opportunity or possibility. We call that catastrophic thinking. Here's another one. They tend to be paranoid. They tend to be very suspicious, distrusting of other people. They certainly don't trust authority. They don't trust police. They don't trust the government. They don't trust politicians. They don't trust the church. You know, they don't trust leaders of any form. The degree of trust is absent. They're paranoid individuals, always thinking that somebody's going to get them. Somebody's going to get and take advantage of them. That's paranoia. Somebody's out to get them. So they're going to have to act first to get the person who's out to get them so that they get them first. There's this game that they play of who will get who first, and that's paranoia. And here's another one. Thinking is delusional, defies reality, goes against reason, goes against reality. They don't understand. Tearing down statutes of people who are actually 
in favor of what they stand for. And they don't understand the history. They don't understand the under the, the basis of why a statue came to be and what that particular statue meant and so on. Delusional. They, they think differently. They think in an odd way. And you can't reason with them on that particular point. They have their idea and their idea is right. They come up with some kind of conclusion and that conclusion is absolute. It's permanent. It's fixed. It's for always. And it's for everybody. That's delusional. And then lastly, self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is very common in the criminal mind and the criminal population of people who engage in outward social, interactional, criminal behavior. Very self-centered. In other words, they don't have empathy for other people. They don't have compassion for other people. They don't understand the feelings of other people. They don't care about the feelings of other people. They're on a mission. They do what they want. They do it for the reason they want, and they carry out the mission that they are assigned to carry out. They've been either assigned by somebody to carry out, or they assign themselves, you know, to that. So there's that self-centeredness. So this idea of, don't they feel? Don't they care what other people think? Don't they feel what the shopkeepers are experiencing when they burn down their buildings? No, they don't have a sense of, of you. They don't have a sense of other people. They don't have a sense of compassion, of empathy, of caring, of compassion. That's absent. There is that self-centeredness. It's my way. It's what I want. It's what I'm going to carry out. It's, it's, it's what I will accomplish. And it's what will make me feel good. And unfortunately, when people are in the act of crime, they are in a hyper state, a state of great charge of adrenaline. And they carry out their acts under these charges of adrenaline. And then when the acts of crime are over, they relax. And that relaxation is like a reward for carrying out the act that they just carried out under the state of high adrenaline. So if they carry out a criminal act such as burning a building or throwing something at a policeman or being in a fight of some kind, they do that under a state of adrenaline. And then when that's all over, they feel good. They feel relaxed. They feel calm. And that's like a reward for doing the damage that they, they did to the policeman or to the city or to the building or whatever. That's how this works. Their mind works best under high states of adrenaline. And when you're under a high state of adrenaline, you don't have reason. You act on emotion. And when it's all over, whatever you've done, if you feel better, it's like a, the feeling better is like a reward for doing what you did and it increases the likelihood that you'll do it again. And you get into that state of high adrenaline, you carry out that act, and then you feel good, and you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you do it again. So really what you're seeing on the streets is enormous levels of adrenaline being discharged. But unfortunately, when it's all over, these people feel better. They actually feel better. They feel good. They feel excited. They feel a sense of joy. They feel a sense of satisfaction. They've carried out a task. They've done something good in their eyes. And that's like a reward. That is a rewarded feeling for what they did. So that's the criminal mind. Now, what's absent? That's what. That's the kind of the mind thought. That's what's going on in the thinking pattern of criminals. But what's absent? Well, what's absent is rational thinking. What's absent is objective thinking. What's absent is compassionate thinking, empathetic thinking, alternative thinking, the best interest of others. That's missing. You see, there is this skewed way of thinking that supports acts of violence. That would moderate and give people a chance to be reasonable and to be moderate in their life and carrying out their mission or carrying out their duty or carrying out their ideas. Those thought patterns are absent or are missing. That's why we say you can't reason with somebody who's unreasonable. So 
we have on our streets protesters. Many of these are, they carry out a mission, they carry out a belief that they have in some way, and they're moderate, and they're understanding, but they're susceptible to influence. And when the gang gets there, and when the tribe gets there, and when the, when the organizers get there and spur up the crowd, a protester turns to become a rioter in a twinkle of an eye. So they may start out as protesters, but they become rioters. There are others that are there totally for rioting purposes. They live a life of rioting. They look for opportunities to riot, whether it's in a small town or a large city or it's only periodic or whenever it is, they look for those opportunities. Some are paid for that. Some are paid good money. Some are not paid. They do it out of this drive to carry out an adrenaline action and then feel good for so doing. So when you watch this in these streets these days, get that kind of an idea. You're not going to reason with people who are unreasonable. And there's reasons that they are unreasonable. And there's reasons that you cannot reason with people who are unreasonable. So that's not an action. It's fighting fire with fire. It's dealing with action to people who act. And if you think you're going to sit there and just be babysitting them and keeping them under control... This will go on forever. Now, here's one last point. To the degree to which this is related to the President Trump and trying to stop his presidency and stop him from being elected, if it's related to that, if he is elected, it will get worse. If he's not elected, it'll die down and go away. But you'll be stuck with the philosophy that these people leave behind. And that is the philosophy of Marxism, the philosophy of socialism, the philosophy of selfishness. And that's what you'll be living out because they have to now justify what they did so they'll move now to the level of implementing decisions and actions at the governmental level that will support their philosophy of socialism and marxism so that's the trump component if he gets elected and it's likely he could he could if he gets elected this will get worse and the government's gonna have to take action because it's not something that people can reason with so i trust that this has been interesting and helpful to you Give you a little perspective. It's not the total answer. It's not how we look at all these people. But there's this pattern there. And this pattern needs to be understood. And it will help you put in perspective why we're doing what we're doing. Go to my website, www.booksbyhedberg.com. Pick up a book for reading for the rest of the summer. And um, have a good evening. Bye for now.